Welcome back to another episode of In the Zone, everybody. Episode 46 with Chris Martelli, Anthony Piniello. I'm Giancarlo Alino here. And guys, last night, Monday Night Raw brought some nostalgia back to the product in Madison Square Garden. Stone Cold Steve Austin came out and uh, started the show. Brought up some uh, trips down memory lane. Talk about Bret Hart. And then he got into this whole uh, title picture. Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman. They signed the contract finally, but they were interrupted by AJ Styles, who called Austin an old fart. So uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this interaction between these guys? I just love how AJ continues to come out and just screw up this universal title scene and just make it that much more complicated because it's already complicated and he just makes it more complicated. And that interaction with, with Stone Cold is definitely a moment that a lot of fans won't forget. Never really thought you would see those two having a segment together on Raw at MSG. It was a special moment, I thought. It was a, It also a couple what chants uh, got poured out, so I thought it was it was pretty fun. Do you still notice that Stone Cold still gets the biggest pop in 2019? Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> message to the rest of the roster. I don't know what it is with him. He's just, he'll never, like, not get that. It's just he's probably the biggest star ever in WWE history, other than, like, Hogan and Cena. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, I thought this was whatever. Uh, he obviously interfered just to eat a stunner, and that was probably it. That was the main thing here. But, yeah, Seth Rollins and uh, Braun Strowman, I guess they don't interest the fans enough. So, yeah, let's bring back Stone Cold. Let's bring out AJ, and we'll do our own separate segment because fuck the guys for the Universal title. Who cares? <laughs> they want it to go yeah. big for this MSG show. Got to bring Stone them. Cold. <laughs> They're bringing The Undertaker, that 10-minute entrance. Oh. That should be something tonight. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Cedric Alexander then takes advantage of AJ. They fight to a DQ. And then you find out it's going to be a big main event. So it looks like Teddy Long's running the show. Ten-man tag. Wow. Just can't have any more teams in the ring. Put them all together. I wasn't a big fan of this. No. Cedric doesn't need that. Him and AJ could have a nice match one-on-one. But follow that up. Got some great moments. Sasha and Bailey taking on Charlotte, Becky, match of the night. What are you guys' thoughts of uh, these four in the ring together? Well, it, they're all unreal, all four of them. And I think uh, it's kind of funny seeing Charlotte and Becky team up after everything that's happened over the last like year and a half and even the build up to Mania and seeing them team up now taking on really like you would think they're, they're, that Banks and Bailey would be the baby faces, but now they're the heels and. I still think Bailey has to change her character a little more. She hasn't really done it, but again, it could kind of she could be kind of like the female version of Sami Zayn, where she doesn't have to change it. Just she can mock her old character. So I don't know. I thought the match was great. They gave it time, but uh, I really hope that Banks uh, he, she gets the win because for me, the last couple of weeks she hasn't been looking as strong as I thought WWE should be booking her. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Banks has a strong showing at Clash of Champions. I was just kind of surprised that uh, Flair and Becky won because, like, you have the first ever women's tag team champions and it's a star-studded match. And I just kind of assumed that regardless of the stories that are going on, that they would take it. But, yeah, the match was obviously amazing. And uh, Raw the last couple months has just been stellar with these moments. We're not even done yet. Yeah. yeah. And they picked up after this. Bring some two, like, luchadors, some high-flying action, Grand Matalik. And Rey Mysterio. I never thought this match would happen on a Raw with all this Lucha House Party crap, but Grand Matalik became a star last night. 
took Rey Mysterio to the limit, but Rey, he's back for Dominic, <laughs> and he won the match. I like the whole storyline where it's like a retirement storyline, kind of like how Ric Flair did it, like in 08. I, I think uh, they should they should build something with this story. I think they should maybe have Heyman come out and just do kind of like what Flair did, be like, yeah, like I'm gonna put you at a pay per view, but if you lose, your career's over. Like, I feel like you should keep doing that with Ray. Maybe the build to Mania, and then maybe that's where you could have Andrade and Ray's career at Mania. But I don't know. I don't know if Ray wants to hang him up just yet, but great job for WWE to have Grand Metalik, you know, face him. Probably the most credible he's looked since 205. So good for him. I think it's similar to what they're doing with Kurt Angle, where he came out and he just faced random people every week to the build up to that final match. So, yeah, I can see Ray taking on, like, someone similar to a Metalik. They'll give him, like, 10 minutes, and it'll just be amazing. And just to show you, yeah, that's Ray Mysterio. Still one of the best he can go. And then maybe Andrade can put an end to that after for the big payoff. So that was awesome. Yeah. And, you know, you got to follow this up with something strong. <laughs> Lacey Evans and Natalia, perfect way. So what do you think of this? Because uh, they haven't really <laughs> done anything with both of them. I'm kind of happy they haven't done anything with both of them. Uh I love Lacey. I love Nat. I love both of them. Like they, ha- they're actually a pretty, they're a pretty strong name. They're not like a nobody, but yeah, they're really not doing anything. I love how Natty got the match at SummerSlam. It was an okay match. It wasn't terrible, but yeah, ever since Sasha came back, it's like, yep, okay, you're back. You're gonna be at the back of the line. And Lacey, oh, you had that main event shot. Oh, okay, now you're done. So yeah, they're both kind of in limbo, and they're just gonna face each other. But yeah, um, Lacey looked better than usual i think she actually outshined natalia in this match and uh yeah that's basically it i don't know why you would you would just follow up with this but uh you know rock can't be perfect so you have to throw it in there somewhere yeah. as i was saying like there's so many great moments now the last few months and then you just you run through the card and there's like one or two duds unfortunately this is the one but like they go out at uh they go at it on house shows and main event and they're usually pretty good because uh, the stakes aren't as so high and whenever they take uh, go at each other on Raw, this is the third time now, it hasn't been that memorable. So maybe it's time to start pairing Lacey with someone else and maybe get the ball rolling again with her. Yeah, all these little nasties. But uh, after this, something that the crowd's going to think is really nasty. Baron Corbin going on to the King of the Ring final. Beat Samoa Joe and Ricochet. He's going to win this tournament. You guys think so? See, I... I really, I wasn't sure who was going to win. I really thought maybe they were going to go with the King Ricochet because of his, uh, you know, him in the uh, independent days. Like, that was his character. I thought maybe they would have brought that back. Even Samoa Joe, I I probably could have seen winning uh, just to give him some credibility because he hasn't really done much. And he hasn't won a lot. But, yeah, uh, Baron Corbin, to me, might be the right guy to win. He's probably the guy that has the most heat. And, uh, yeah, he just looks like a douchebag. And even the way he won this, throwing Ricochet into the – throwing him into the freaking barricade and just getting the pin on Joe, um, it was perfect. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to beat Chai Gable in the finals at Clash of Champions. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Everyone is just losing their mind right now. But last night I heard 50% saying, let's go Corbin, and the other half saying, Corbin sucks. So when you get to that kind of territory – for me, you're doing something right. So they got to keep Corbin in that spotlight. Let half the fans boo this shit out of him. Let the other half. I guess we kind of like him. We appreciate what he does. When, when his name comes up, we just start laughing. Yeah, it's pretty. So like, yeah, he's probably gonna win, and we don't really mind it. We should like 
maybe someone else would be better suited there, but we like Corbin. The guy's a hilarious heel. I think he's going to be Mr. King of the Ring. Then you got this star-studded main event. Ten-man tag. <laughs> Every team. And you got the OC, the Viking Raiders on one side, Rude and Dolph Ziggler, AJ. And then you got Cedric Alexander. So uh, who do you think shined in this? And I don't know, does this make you excited for Clash of Champions at all? This is a typical Teddy Long. Let's put every single program heading into the pay-per-view in one tag match. Other than the Viking Raiders, which is kind of random. I'm happy, I guess, they got this opportunity. But, yeah, like you had Rollins and Strowman with Ziggler. Rude, you had the OC with Cedric. So, yeah, like early in the night, you know, you all clash. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, there's a tag team match at the end of the night. Uh, I think Cedric, uh, the last like two, two, three months, he's shined for me the most out of any superstar on Raw. I think he's been just running with it. He's gotten those opportunities. And another guy that I'm happy to see in the spotlight now finally is freaking Bobby Roode. Haven't seen him for a while, and now he's he's main eventing Raw with the likes of Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Braun Strowman. So I'm happy for Bobby Roode. So. For the Viking Raiders, I'm hoping it's not just like a – a one-off thing because they've been squashing people for three months and I, I can just picture vince backstage saying we need a fucking tag team for the main event you guys let's go and then next week it's back to squashing people so i hope it's not that i really hope they're a they're a main focus going forward because they are one of the better tag teams which is um for some reason the weakest part of wwe but when you look at the teams they have it should be one of the best so Going forward, uh, I want to see the Viking Raiders do more, and Cedric has just been a star the last few months, to your point. Yeah. Let's move on now to Clash of Champions. Loaded card. I didn't even think I'd be excited for this when they announced it at SummerSlam when we were in the arena, and this commercial pops up, and uh, this doesn't look good. Yeah, let's go to the washroom. Yeah, like, let's head out. Now, there's some matches going into this that are really interesting. Like Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns. I never thought I'd be excited for this. What belt is it for? <laughs> That's a good one. I don't even know. <laughs> Roman's title of being Vince's guy. Oh, there That's it is. Oh, there it That's is. That's a good one. Yeah, Eric that's Rowan. that's the first match. So we're going to talk about Roman versus Eric Rowan. Roman versus Eric Rowan. Yeah, that's what <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, Rowan last, last week just looked amazing. Coming out, beating the shit out of Daniel Bryan. We all know it's part of the plan, though. And uh, he beats the shit out of Roman as well. I love what they've done with Roman. I've been saying this for like the last, like ever since he's come back, I think he's never looked better. I think he looks amazing, Roman. He's getting better in the ring. He's not in the spotlight right now. So I think fans appreciate him more now. Um, Vince finally did it right. He's getting cheers. So good for Vince. But I really want to see Rowan win, but I know he's not. Just to, I can't, I just can't see Rowan winning. I could see maybe Brian screwing over Rowan. But then weeks later, we will find out that Brian actually attacked Roman Reigns. And then you will have like a you could have like a Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns hell in the cell match down the line. I think that would be a good option. But yeah, right now I'm going to say Roman Reigns beats Eric Rowan. Uh, Yes, literally spot on with what you said. I think this is kind of like a one off thing. Uh, Rowan's been he's been so hot. He's got all the momentum. So Roman Reigns is going to win and it's going to be a nice little match and a nice moment for Rowan. But eventually i'm not sure how i love what you said but it'll all circle back to daniel bryan and then you can carry it on from there i think he's being groomed to be the top heel on smackdown daniel bryan i think that's what he isn't already 
Yeah, if he's not Jeez. already. I think, yeah, I agree. I think Daniel Bryan's going to get involved somehow, and he's going to make it look like him and Rowan are not the best of terms. Maybe a little push and shove, but I think Roman gets it. I don't think you can have Rowan go over Roman Reigns here. And first big match, like after what they've been doing with Roman Reigns, you can't do that. So I think Roman wins. Wow, so the next match I want to talk about, it's actually kind of exciting because we've been talking about this tag team for a while in our pods, and now they're finally getting the opportunity. Sonya and Mandy, Fire and Desire, taking on Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the women's tag team titles. Who wins this? This actually intrigues me. I'm going to say Alexa and Nikki keep it, just because uh, I haven't seen enough out of Sonya and Mandy to convince me that they're going to take the titles. That can also be a shot at WWE for not giving them any time to promote that, because they get about one 10-minute segment a week. But yeah, like... We fuck you just said it. We've been talking about it for so long. They're the only real team that they have. Literally. So like, I, w- I would love to see them have some success. I am a big fan of Sonya Deville. Alino's a Mandy guy. Take it away from there. I think this is gonna surprise some people. This match. I do think Alexa and Nikki retain here, but it's good to see a tag division for once. Like Peyton Royce and Billy Kay were the only team really from NXT that came up and did their thing. But when they were champs, they. Didn't, didn't defend them. Yep. Didn't defend, didn't build any intrigue into their storylines. Now they have a situation with Alexa and Nikki. There's actually something there. It's entertaining. So I hope they continue that for a little bit and hold off on a potential title change for now. Wow. Uh, up next we have is the SmackDown tag titles, the New Day versus the Revival. Who takes this one? Man, I want to say the Revival. Um kind of counteracts my point how they've been so hot and then the other team would win in the end but uh, i just have a feeling the uh, the things that randy and the revival are doing they just look so good as a trio together i see more success in their future so i think the revival uh three-time tag champions after this i'm gonna go with the new day retaining i think Big E is gonna get the pin for his team it's gonna be a long match i think this will be longer than what the raw tag title match ends up being this will Hopefully, this has yeah, this yeah. has to be long. Hopefully, it'll be long because <laughs> these two guys, these two teams, actually, they've been back and forth the last few months. So hopefully, they give it the right amount of time. But the new day's coming out on top. I agree. I like the little story though that uh, the new day have never beaten the revival. So there's a little more fuel to the fire there for this. I, yeah, I think I think the new day are gonna win here. I yeah. think they're gonna retain. But I will not be surprised if the Revival and Randy all have the belts. Just would not, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, up next, AJ versus Cedric for the United States title. Please give this like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and this will be match of the night. Cedric is definitely winning this. No, he's not. AJ uh, Styles is going to retain it. It's just a little bit too soon. But uh, you can see the obvious build to Cedric over the last few months since the McIntyre feud. Um yeah, the guy's just been amazing week to week. Uh, I think he deserves this match. I don't think he deserves to go over AJ quite yet, but uh, they should give this a lot of time, and it should be one of the highlights on that show. Yeah, hopefully they give it time, establish the title, make it meaningful. AJ wins, though. I think it's still a little too soon for Cedric, but he's on his way to being that guy. Yeah. Uh, up next we have is the King of the Ring Finals. Baron Corbin versus either Elias or Chad Gable. I'm going to go with Chad Gable beating Elias. I think we could all agree with that because Elias and Corbin in the final just does not make a lot of sense. That'd be hilarious. You know what's funny? You know what's actually funny? I have Chad Gable winning the tournament. 
It, you know what? Sometimes King of the Ring is for breakout guys. And what better way than for an Eric Bischoff guy to win the King of the Ring tournament and maybe start kickstart a singles career for Chad Gable? So I'm going to go with Chad Gable winning the King of the Ring tournament in surprising fashion because we all think Corbin's winning. So I'm going to give it to Chad Gable. Those notes that he's been taking backstage on SmackDown, those little three-second clips of him playing off. He's in the finals, or at least we think he will be. But uh, I think it's your classic baby face, owns the whole match, like big payoff, and the crowd's going crazy. And, and everyone wants Corbin to lose. And then, yeah, end of days out of fucking nowhere. And boo, yay. <laughs> Baron Corbin wins. <laughs> I think Corbin is going to win this. Dang it's going to look like Chad Gable's going to win. The crowd's going to be all into it. Corbin's just going to have his foot on the rope. And then something stupid, like push him into the exposed turnbuckle or something and cut a heel promo. But my little theory I was telling you guys about, <laughs> Corbin is going to probably torment everyone on the roster, saying he's the king of the ring. He wants something big. And what big thing can he get? A match of a face, Brock Lesnar. Oh. And then Brock comes back. <laughs> and you're going to have Brock step up to Baron Corbin, the king of the ring. Show him who the real king of the ring is. I can see that, though. If Brock, uh, Brock's a face and then everyone just wants to see him get killed in like five seconds yeah i could see it but i don't want to see this early like you have to push this like smackdown on fox like the first would this episode. be like so I, I assume this would be like the first survivor series match like an inter promotional yeah. match you just gotta have corbin for like two months straight yeah, going out and yeah. the king of the ring out <laughs> uh, you all peasants and do what booker t did and just make everybody just boo him just do what he's doing now just boo him out the building and then on fox when everyone's watching, he just hops up and down, goes to the ring, doesn't have to talk, hit him with an F5 and leave. And go back to Saskatchewan. That's a, that's, a, that's a bold prediction right there. I like that. Up next, Cruiserweight Championship triple threat match. You have Lince Dorado, Drew Gulak, and Humberto Carrillo. I don't know who that is. Is he new? <laughs> uh, they signed him uh, about a year ago. Well, he has this opportunity here. One NXT and then two. But guess who's winning it? Drew Gulak has to retain here if Lynn Dorado were to win though it'd be really cool I think like he kind of deserves it but Drew Gulak's the guy man it's his division right now he's kind of like what Buddy Murphy was doing a year ago it's like his how, uh, he's in the match and then you had Grand Metalik against Ray and they're kind of yeah they're branching off I don't know if that's like a one-time thing I really hope it's it's not because they really are like all amazing Just even Kalisto yeah they're all great it, it should be Drew, though. The guy's rolling. The guy's just a... He's just a beast, and he chokes people out every... It's, the match will be amazing. It'll be on the pre-show, unfortunately. But this very well could be match of the night, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great match. I would kind of like to see Dorado win this and then feud with Grand Metalik. Some jealousy with the Lucha House Party and end this stupid stable for once. Just end it. To get the pinata out of there and have these two guys just go at it. One of them turn heel and just... Go and make this title prestigious. Boom. But it's not happening. It's on the pre-show. Um, next, we have Shinsuke Nakamura finally defending his Intercontinental title against The Miz, my boy. <laughs> Who wins this one? To me, this is actually probably one of the more unpredictable matches on, of the card for me. Ooh. Uh, okay, well, Miz is going for his ninth to tie Jericho. I think he's going for ten. So he is, he's tied right now. He's tied right now. So is that like the big story? 
because my initial thought was Shinsuke because I just I love when Sammy comes out. Yeah, see, my initial thought is the Miz because yeah. Jericho just won the yeah. AEW title. <laughs> the way to get back at them is see, look who's that. Look who just passed you for IC belts. <laughs> the Hollywood A list there. I'm gonna go with the Miz winning here. I'm confident with that. I gotta. I'm I, sorry. I gotta <laughs> stick with Shinsuke. Sammy Zayn gets involved somehow. I, I could just, see more I could just, see, I could just see the Miz winning, and I could see Sami Zayn weaseling his way into a title shot over Shinsuke. I <laughs> <laughs> like Hell in the Cell, or you could have like a triple threat for it. And the Miz loses and then wins it back again, just to really pass Jericho. And or if they him. really want to make things unreal, you could have Cedric win here, beat AJ, surprise everyone. You could have Shinsuke retain, and then at uh, Survivor Series, you have Shinsuke versus Cedric. Oh. Or cut out the brand shit because they just won't. Pops around I don't think they. I don't think they will. I don't they think did they'll cut the it. Draft. Yeah. yeah, they did. But like, I want to see more of Sammy and Shinsuke because they're yeah. That's that's just, yeah. That's awesome. Shinsuke does one move and Sammy's a fucking cheerleader outside and he goes crazy. Like, if they were to give it to Miz and then take it off him just to show AEW to me, that's a sign of weakness on WWE. I don't it know is. If they should go down that route. Well, it's not even that. It's also that the Miz is. Like, he's very uh, consistent. And, like, you know what you're getting out of the Miz with an icy title reign. It's going to be solid. It's a safe pick. It's a safe pick. I so, it. I don't think it's, like, a, it's a weak move, but it's it's a petty move. Yeah. It's a petty move. But that's what it is. Sometimes in business, businesses, you got to be petty. You know? That's it. Yeah. I think they're going to do that. And then they're going to have the Miz probably celebrate with his own little bit of bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> You just have them come out every week. I think that's a safe bet. And you have Shinsuke and The Miz rematch at Hell in a Cell. Keep on building this thing with Sami Zayn. You got gold there. That is. Up next, you have Bailey versus Charlotte Flair for the women's title. I'm going to go with Bailey retaining the fresh heel turn. I think Sasha might interfere or she'll get a DQ or roll up or whatever. She, she I just stole one. I just yeah. think Bailey's going to win here. But I know Alino has different thoughts on this one. Actually, I'm going to go with Bailey on this. No, I know, but you have different... uh, Instead of uh, Sasha, I got Ronda Rousey eventually coming back to challenge Charlotte and get revenge on her from last year's Survivor Series. They have a rematch, but it might be a little too soon for that. Maybe next month, as they're building that up, maybe October, end of October for that. But you can't get it off Bailey, I don't think, right now. She's built some momentum, and now that she just turned heel right after this feud started where Charlotte was a heel and she was a face, you're just... Screw with the fans' minds if she lost a title, so I'm going to have Bailey retaining this. Yeah, now's not the time to play hot potato. Uh, I, I think shenanigans will end this match, but Bailey should keep the title in the end. Yeah. Up next we have is Becky versus Sasha for the woman's title, the Raw one. She came back. We saw it live, Toronto. We saw it on Raw. She came back. Looks like a Smurf. I do like the blue hair, but... Does she really need this win? I think she needs it more than Becky. I'm going to give it – I don't know, man. It's tough. I want to hear your 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 predictions first. It's tough because I, I don't know if they really want to have Bailey and Sasha champs at once. I kind of like that. I do too, but I don't know if that will work. I feel like if Sasha wins – She's losing it at the next pay-per-view. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Well, history would say that's a 100% chance of yeah. that happening. Well, you got to remember, you got to remember who's on the 2K20 cover. True. And you got to remember October is when it comes out. I can uh, So, yeah. Yeah. That's my only reason why I could see Becky retaining. 
think they both need to win because uh, Becky, as of late, has been... There's not a whole lot going on with her. Yeah. It's not really her fault. There's no one really to feud with. So Sasha coming back is a blessing in disguise. I feel like, yeah, Sasha obviously needs the win. She's obviously got the most momentum. But, like, if her and Bailey were the champions, I could see those two, like, talking down to Charlotte and Becky, saying, you two have been the chosen ones for the last year, and you've gotten everything handed to you, while the two of us have had our own little issues with, you know, all the stuff from Mania and everything after that. So, yeah, I would love to see Sasha win the title here. Do you think if Sasha wins, do you see Charlotte beating Bailey? No, I think they're going to keep this separate. That's why I think Bailey wins and Becky wins because of video game two, all that marketing that went into it, it would look pretty dumb if she's not the champ. And this video game comes out with all the commercials. So I think a DQ is probably the safe bet for this match. That's why they put Roman on there. Yeah. They have a backup plan. <laughs> Take her off the cover and just put Roman. <laughs> wow. Well, up next we have is the tag titles. We have Seth and Braun versus Dolph and Robert. <laughs> Who wins this one? Seth and Braun. Because, yeah. <laughs> Seth and Braun. Then they lose the next night to anyone else. Maybe the OC, but have them winning this match. I'm wow. excited to see an actual tag team get a hold of those championships again. Yeah. Because this is just, it's just kind of there. All right. So uh, <laughs> up next we have is Orton and Kingston. This is really awesome. Uh, it's actually reached another level. I really, I've enjoyed this feud a lot. Inserting the revival in it. Beautiful. Um, this is probably the most interesting I've been with Orton in a while. I'd say at least since Mania with Styles. But yeah, this this program has been nothing short of brilliant for me. Um, I still got to go with Kofi Kingston retaining here. I don't see him losing. I think uh, I think Orton's gonna get himself DQ'd somehow. I, I think you gotta make Kofi Kingston look like that. Like you gotta make him feel bad. Like he's the babyface that's getting beaten down. Kofi also DQ'd at the other match at SummerSlam, so I can maybe even see Orton maybe bringing back his punt after he gets DQ'd and just knocks him out cold, and that's it. And then the final one, Kofi and Randy in a hell in a cell. Yeah, and that's that's where I have Orton winning the belt. So I think Kofi's gonna. I think Kobe's in a he's gonna retain here through DQ or whatever, but hell in the cell happens. It's Randy's time. As long as you keep those six together, right? Yes. Because what they're doing right now is just awesome TV. It is. Yeah. They're gonna get involved somehow, I think, and it's gonna lead to a screwy finish. Then they gotta settle the score with nobody coming out to interfere. Orden, Kofi, Hell in the Cell. That's when Orden wins it. I feel like randomly you'll get a on a SmackDown like a winner take all match WWE in the tag titles. Can't you do? I was just gonna say that I want to see a six man Hell in the Cell match winner take all those three. And then if there Kofi it is. loses it for his team, that's when Big E turns. That's on. when they turn. There like it is. It. I like it. It's all there. <laughs> we why aren't we it's with gold. creative it's like gold? That's beautiful. <laughs> And I feel like they wouldn't even say no to that. But yeah, it's pretty pretty yeah. good. It would get it fucking the, torn up the second the show starts. Like Definitely. Seth and Becky involved in that? No? All right, we can't do that. Throw that out. Rip it out. <laughs> and then we have the main event, Braun and Seth. Who's winning it? Yeah, it should be Seth. Uh, I, I have no idea with Braun. <laughs> I just, I really hope they don't turn him heel. The fact that he has this match is still baffling to me. Uh, Who else would it be? Fuck. <laughs> who else is hot Ziggler who else do they view as a hot commodity Baron oh, Drew Baron. but he's Bro, nowhere yeah, but he's also a champ Drew is not 
Drew's nowhere. Drew's been lost since Ziggler. Yeah. The tag team. Literally. Samoa Joe. Yeah. But, but like, yeah. I think there's it, not a lot of guys right now if you think about it. I think you have to go Seth on this. Because, like, if Braun were to win, you look at Seth Rollins in the last three months, like, what the hell? Where do you go from there? Back to Baron Corbin. Okay, well, here's here's the biggest question. Is The Fiend actually having a Hell in the Cell match against one of the two here? Uh, as of now, I think so. So wouldn't it make sense to kind of give it to Braun Strowman? It comes kind of full circle, Braun versus The Fiend? I think uh, to me, you're, it's like you're – it helps The Fiend, but it's like you're choosing that program with Braun over everything that Seth has done. Yeah, because that's how big the fiend is. Because like he's been, you could say like he's been cringy and all this shit lately, but like he's been the guy for the year. And I wouldn't give it to Braun just to play hot potato with Bray. I would try to maybe go a different way about that. In the end, though, we all assume the fiend will get the better of one of them somehow. The fiend is gonna win the title soon. That's all I'm gonna say. Hell in a Cell, he has to win. If he has the match, if the fiend loses. (laughs) <laughs> clean cold oh, man that'd be bad one power slide that's it like uh, that's why i'm i don't really know who's winning here and like if they're gonna do the champion versus champion at at survivor series it would be perfect if it was the fiend versus randy orton because that just comes full circle too so you gotta you gotta keep all this stuff in play you have braun who was a part of the wyatt family orton aligned with bray wyatt and all these pay-per-views ironically are coming soon so I wouldn't be surprised if Braun wins here. That's all I'm going to say. I'd love Braun to win it because you think it's long, long overdue. I just see Seth winning it. Maybe if they do have a the Fiend and the Hell in a Cell to do a triple threat to protect him and have Braun take the pin. But I don't see Braun walking out as a universal champ. It's like, if, um, like when Roman won the title from Triple H. The coronation. Like, the coronation. Uh, it's like, okay. There, you finally got it. But like, whatever. It'll be like that's that the to point. Me, it's he should have won it two years ago, at <sighs> least. Whenever 2017 was that around that time. But that's when they were grooming Roman. So you get that? <laughs> Holy shit! The the worst timing for yeah. everything. I like. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Seth Rollins retaining here. But man, like you need you. They're in a hole with Braun now. Because if Braun loses this. Where the hell do you go after this? I think Seth Like, literally, where do you go? Like, think about Braun's, like, what, he's going to face AJ for the U.S. title and squash (laughs) AJ? Like, come on. SmackDown, he has to go then. Do you really see see AJ beating Braun Strowman in a feud? I don't see. It's fucking AJ Styles. I know, but, like, I I don't know. It's Braun Strowman, and it's Monday Night Raw. (laughs) And so like you know, he's been Monday Night Raw's workhorse for a while. I think he was about to bring it up. Then maybe you move him over to SmackDown. That is true. Because he's just been killing people on Raw. Like, useless feud after another for three years, it seems like. But Roman's there. So would you do this? Would you? So so how about, how about this? Would you have Rude and Ziggler win the tag titles and have Strowman lose, like, the main event too, and then he gets drafted to SmackDown? Then his stock is down. And then you literally have, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you don't even know where Strowman would be going into SmackDown. So basically, either Seth or Braun are getting shafted at the end of this. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, because they already announced that The Fiend has the match at Hell in a Cell. And are you really going to have The Fiend lose? No, you're not. When they announced that, we're like, that's maybe five months earlier than we expected. Yeah, like when he was like, oh, yeah, I have the match at Hell in a Cell. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Royal Rumble, not like Hell in a Cell. Yeah, like that's that's coming. That's coming quick. Okay. Can you see something hokey like they do a 20-minute match and the fucking lights just go out and they're both on the mat and The Fiend's in the middle of both of them and then the show ends? You see please, please don't, no, please don't do that. Like I when Lesnar came out, fucked up the Hell in a Cell, and then the match didn't even finish. The pay per view just ended. We're like, wait, wait what? <laughs> yeah, I could see that. That'd be pretty cool, actually. Oh. <laughs> but like again, I do want to see an end result because yeah. both these guys have been like featured like three times every show. So yeah, the, the thing is, the the show re- revolves too much around them, so we don't really know what to expect without them holding a belt. Because they fucking have everything. It's like, yeah, so Braun, uh, oh, yeah, you're not going to have any kid. You're going to go to SmackDown. You're going to face, I don't know, you're going to face uh, Shinsuke for the IC title. And that's done. Yeah. So that's the thing with Braun. There's not a lot you can plug him in. I don't know. If, if, he, if he wins the Universal title, I would be very, very happy, though. So I'm going to say Seth retains, but I'm open to Braun winning. Just to lose it to The Fiend in a month's time. Just so whatever. But are we all going to predict that he wins at Hell in the Cell? The Fiend? If that's what's happening, yeah. Yeah, because the way he's making it sound is it is going to be a singles match. I don't think I don't think they're going to make it a triple threat. It's going to be Stranger Danger in there. <laughs> I think what they're going to do is they're going to make Seth retain here, and they're going to make Seth look like this fucking huge underdog. And the fiends can just gonna like torture him for like the like the month like leading up, just gonna torture him. That would be awesome because then eventually you can get a different side of Seth. There it is. And then everyone wins, but oh. Seth comes up short. Uh. There it is. Okay, now we gotta move to the pond, and this is where we gotta get our list. Um, this is gonna be fantasy goalies because last week we did fantasy wingers, and we all had the same number one Nikita the cheetah. Kucherov, do we all? Do you guys think before we do this, do you think we all have the number one, the same number one goalie? Yes. You have Vasilevsky. I'm not gonna say. I'm debating <laughs> on one and two because I think <coughs> just fantasy is different because of the season and the team they're on. And Tampa Bay right now is doesn't look like a team that will have a lot of shots against, so he might not have to work as much. But one and two or two should be, I think, Vasilevsky a lock. We're definitely fighting after this. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with number 10, and I'm going to give it to Anthony Pinello to start this list. Hold on. Are we doing you know what? Honorable mentions. Hey, yeah. You got to start with them. The guys that just missed it, the misfits. The misfits. Got to start with those guys. I got a, I got four names in my honorable mentions. I got Carter Hart. What? Yeah. That's, that's pretty high. That okay. is pretty high. All right. Uh, to me, it was a lock. When I was looking at the names, I'm like, Hart will be an honorable mention. It's too soon, but we got to bring him up. He he had an amazing second half. Do you, okay, do you think he's going to be better than Matt Murray? Like story-wise, because he's like he has the same story as Murray right now. B- basically, very similar. I think he will be the better goalie. It's hard to like look at Murray, though, and he's got the two cups already. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, he came in hot, like very hot. And now he's just, yeah, we'll see. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got Hart. I got Grubauer, uh, Murray, and John Gibson. My honorable mentions, number one is John Gibson, number two, Matt Murray, three, Grubauer, number four, Devin Dubnik, and number five, Martin Jones. 
Yeah, no Carter Hart, not yet. I forgot Dubnik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got Martin Jones. He sucks. Yeah, it's just his team is good. Yeah, that's his it. performance of fantasy. I took him last year. I regretted that immediately. Didn't he have like an eight ninety save? Eight ninety nine. So close. <laughs> I got Carter Hart. Uh Jimmy Howard is another honorable mention for me. I think he can turn it on, but I just don't see Detroit making the playoffs yet. He's I'm going to get cool you guy. a Jimmy Howard jersey for Christmas, <laughs> he was okay? was so good last year. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, this is going to surprise everyone. Mike Smith, honorable mention. On Edmonton now. Yeah. Oh just my. imagine McDavid turns it on and dry sidle and carries him and his value just skyrockets after that. I Mike Smith from 2011. We saw what Cam Talbot did a couple years ago, so yeah, I like it. It's not out of the question. So now, now you start with number 10. <laughs> All right, number 10. Everyone's favorite, Tuka Rask. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's a solid fantasy goalie. Uh, his goals against average is actually pretty good all time. I really have to look these stats up. I don't know shit about goalies. <laughs> his last two years is... Uh, He's been, he hasn't been playing much the last two years because he split with Hadobin and then Halak. So he's been in the 50s. But he gets 30 wins every year. He's a pretty reliable guy. Boston should be a really good team again this year. But uh, me and Alino were saying on the way here, if they start the year without McAvoy and Carlo, that blue line in front of him will just look really different and he may have to pick it up early in the season. And he is notoriously a bad starter. So we'll see how that goes. But I got Rask at 10. Yeah, I have Rask at 10 because he, I was debating on honorable mention with him because of that blue line and him and Mike Smith, I think, were the two guys I was debating with. But I think Tuka Rask still should be 10. Just don't expect your value to go up with him until around end of November, December. So Tuka Rask, number 10. Yeah, number 10, I have Jordan Binnington, St. Louis. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a goalie that... Basically torched the league last year, won a cup. He uh, had a shutout in Game 7, so you know how important he is to his team. I easily think he should have won the Conn Smythe, but they gave it to O'Reilly, which is also very appropriate. If this guy plays 65 games and just plays the way he did last year, this guy is a top three fantasy goalie heading into this year. A lot of people actually, I looked at a lot of lists. They had him like five, six, a lot of guys. And I'm kind of like, okay, that's kind of pushing it i think but again like what he did last year if he does it in a full year he could easily be a top five uh, fantasy goalie so for now i have him at number 10 jake allen is still a pretty solid backup goalie he'll probably play around i want to say 35 games allen so i could see bennington getting around like 33 wins and getting like a 918 save so yeah like He'll be great, but I don't think his starts are going to be as up as people think. Like, I don't think he's going to start as many games as people think he will. So that's why he's number 10 for me. Uh, number nine, I got Braden Holpe. This was uh, lower than I originally thought when I was looking at all the names, but he had the three straight 41 seasons when the Caps would win the fucking Presidents every year, and then he'd get bounced in the first. But the last two seasons, he's had 32 and 34 wins, and he's played 10 less games the last two years. So I don't know if that's a sign of fatigue or if they're trying to move someone in slowly. Uh, he's still the starter there. I don't think there's anything to worry about. His stats have dipped a little bit, but I th- I still think he's a safe pick in fantasy. Um, so yeah, Braden Holtby, number nine. I got Robin Leonard. He's going to have a fresh start this year. Solid last year, just carried his team and 
I think he's going to do the same. He's got a much better team in front of him, more of a core that can weather the storm early on in the season. He's going to come in, play smart. He's not going to have to do too much like he did last year, and it's going to help out his wins. Save percentage, I think will still be there, so I got him at number nine. Do you think he's going to play as much as people think? Because like, I feel like a lot of people are giving up on Crawford too soon. I think they're going to split, like do the 40-40. Because I think now Crawford's getting a little older, and they saw with other goalies around the league getting injured right near the playoffs, it's good to keep Leonard strong, like get, his, uh, get enough reps in. Where if he has to be called on during a playoff run, he's there and he's not phased by it. Yeah, okay. My number nine is Tuka Rask. And uh, a couple years ago, he probably would have been higher. But again, Halak last year arguably outplayed Rask in the season. He had an unreal year. I think they're going to do the same thing. I think Halak's going to play around like 35 and... I could, yeah, I could see maybe not 35, but I could see Halak playing around like 30, and I could see Rass playing around 52 games. He'll get you around 25 to 30 wins, probably like four shutouts. Tuka Rask is probably one of the more, um, he's one of the more risky goalies to take because, again, you don't really know the last couple of years. This, the beginning of the season, he's been awful. So um, <laughs> I hope that it's different this year. Um, I do I do expect Tuka Rass, though, to start kind of slowing down. He is 32 now. Um, but, yeah, still a top 10 fantasy goalie, number nine. Number eight, I got Ben Bishop, who should probably be higher, but too bad it's my list. He's got 99 games the last two years. So, really, the only That's knock on lot. him. That's a lot. That's way too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, really the only uh, knock on him is um, he gets hurt. Because when he plays, like – those years with Tampa, he had three straight seasons where he had two 30 goals against or less, and he had 41 seasons. <laughs> but it, like, I think it was the last year with Tampa where he had a, like a 206 goal. It was some crazy stats similar to this year, 206 goals against, 930 save, and then they traded him the year after, and then he kind of got rocked with injuries. And then um, we saw with Dallas, this guy, he's such a weird case because we saw his rookie year, with his, his first year with Dallas, he had like an okay season. It was like a welcome to the team kind of thing. And then this year he had a miracle year. So now I don't really know what to expect. But, um, he, yeah, he's a good starting goaltender. I would beware for some injuries. But, you know, he's a 40-50 game kind of goalie. So I don't know if he's that reliable. That's why he's not as high on my list as probably you guys. Yeah, with mine, I'm going to go with Holtby. Because Washington, I don't think that President's Trophy winner anymore. They're team maybe slowed down a little bit but they are going to be that team coming out of that division where you're gonna to have to look at in the playoffs as a problem so i got him i don't think he's gonna play as many games as like 60 and 65 games i think they'll tone it down to like 55 try to keep him give him some rest in between starts so got holby right there with the capitals yeah number eight i got ben bishop as well uh yeah, he's a, he's a weird guy. He's uh, either really great, like really great, or he's mediocre to average. So you add those two together, you put him around eight. I know NHL.com had him at two. And uh, a couple other lists that I saw, they had him like latest six going into this season. You could argue that Dallas is better. They're going to be better this year, adding Pavelski, Perry, Heiskanen getting better. You know, I think they got a little better, but... 
if if Bishop does play 65 games and he's healthy, he could easily be a top five goalie. But again, it's the risk factor. Are you going to get a 930 save, Ben Bishop? Or are you going to get like a 909, 907? And you got to remember, Dallas is also an iffy team. They're not like a win, win, win now. Like you don't, they're not going to finish top three in the West. The toughest they're, division too. Yeah, like I, I could see them maybe being like a six, seven seed in the West. And even that, how many wins is that? That's like 42, 43. So how many of that will Ben Bishop get? Maybe like 36, 35. But again, I'm not worried with Bishop if I am going to draft him because he doesn't really have a backup. So that's the only good thing with Bishop. But yeah, to me, everything you said is spot on. I have him at number eight. Uh, Number seven, I got Connor Hellebuck. And uh, probably the most potential out of all the guys on this list because he's only like, what, 25, 26 years old. He's probably getting into his peak right now. Yeah, but mainly, you know, you're looking at the 17, 18 year when the Jets finished first and he had 40 wins and... He was great. All that jazz. And you look at this year, and he had 10 less wins with 34, which is still really good. But his goals against and his save were just brutal. He had a really off year. Uh, I think we all pretty much expect him to rebound. He's he's always been hyped as that guy. He's the Jets' number one undisputed goalie. So I don't see why he can't get back to the 40-win uh, plateau and with better stats to, to go with it. So number seven for him. I got Ben Bishop. At that spot, because as you guys mentioned, he doesn't really have a backup, so I think they're going to rely on him to play a lot of games, and I think Dallas will do much better this year. Pavelski's still, I think, capable of doing a lot of damage, so add Corey Perry maybe to the third line, bring in some scoring, grind it out, maybe surprises some people and gets 20 goals, never know, but I like their team going into the year, they're way better than what they were last year, so got Bishop right there. Yeah, number seven, I have Braden Holpe, Washington. Uh, I really like the way he plays, and quite frankly, I think I want him this year. I think a lot of people are underestimating Washington going into this season. They just won the Cup two years ago, and people are already concluding that they're not as good anymore. They're never going to be on Tampa's level, but they're they're right there. I think they're still a top five team in the Eastern Conference You could argue that they're better than Florida. Um, I I still think Braden Holpe, if he plays around 60 games, he is a top five. He'll get you. Yes, his numbers over the years have kind of dipped. He's averaging, I think, around a 9-12 over the last three years. But, man, like he'll probably get you four shutouts. He'll get you maybe like a 9-18 save. And when all is said and done, he'll probably get you around 35 wins. That's good for me number seven on the list and to me probably the most underrated goalie going into this year number six i got pecorine i've said this about i think i've said this about everyone he's had less wins than he did last year he had 12 less wins but because he's getting older he's playing less and he's only getting 50 game 50 to 60 he usually he's had a couple 70 game campaigns which is insane it's been amazing when you look at his stats how long he's been there and how long he's been the guy and there's been like no competition As of late, because I feel like Soros will eventually be moved in. I think I've said that the last three years, but Rene just, he doesn't really regress. He just, uh, he keeps getting better. The guy's in his mid-30s. He's still the undisputed number one. I I expect a similar year. Yeah, so I got him at number six. So mine, I'm going to go carry Price on the Montreal Canadiens because their team, not as good, but he's going to have to carry the load. It's going to result in a lot of losses, a lot of shots. Face if Weber gets injured, I think they're screwed because then he's going to just be left out to dry on that defense. So 
Carey Price, he could help them make the playoffs. I just would keep my expectations low for this year with Montreal. Well, here's the thing with me. I'm breaking the rule here because I couldn't leave Bennington off the list. So I have to have two guys tied at six, and it's Rene and Hellebuck. I think they're both – fuck, man. I've We've said for three years now, Rene's going to slow down. Rene's going to slow down. Oh, yeah, he's going to slow down. Oh, this is the year where Soros takes over. And Rene continues to just be unreal, be a monster. Arguably, he's probably been a top three goalie the last five years. If you could really look back at all the stats – Rene's up there. Uh, again, like with Pinello said, with Hellebuck, this guy, I don't think he's going to get... I think he's a very underrated goalie as well going into this year. He's 26. Yeah, he didn't have a good year last year. If they sign Line A and Connor, they could, man, they could even maybe win the West. Um, and Hellebuck as your starter, he could even lead. I won't say the league in, in wins, but he'll be top five if Winnipeg is going and gelling. So... Both those guys have to be – it was really tough. They're both tied for me at number six. But they could easily be number one, number two. Those guys are that good. So there it is. Remember last year it was Hellebuck right behind Vasilevsky. That's why. So it's it's tough, man, with goalies. It's very close. It's closer than you think. Very close. Uh, Yeah, to start off my number five, I got Marc-Andre Fleury, who had eight fucking shutouts last year, which I found that out this morning kind of blew my mind. Uh, yeah, he's played 60 games eight times in his career. The guy has been a horse since 2003. He's been riddled with injuries, but when you play that long, I mean, it's it's bound to happen. His stats don't look as good on paper because he plays so much. But, you know, you look at Vegas' team and where they're positioned in the standings, and I don't, I don't see even at like 34, 35 years old why he can't do that again. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy and... We even saw just two years ago, he took them to the finals, and he was he MVP. Was a, he was a game changer in every single game. So he's still one of the best in the league. You can argue he's number one or two. So I got him at five. My number five is Hellebuck from Winnipeg. Uh, I think he's really coming into his own now. This is like the prime of his career right now. He's going to excel if Line A comes back, and if that team ends up remaining intact there with Connor. They're not... I don't know. A lot of people say that they're going to be like a wild card team because Lion A will probably be selfish coming in and try to get a big payday if he's on a one-year deal. But I don't know. I just think they're still – everybody there, like Wheeler, uh, Shifley, they got a really strong team, and I think his numbers will benefit with that with the wins, maybe a few shutouts. I think he has, he's going to get more shutouts this year. And Hallibuck, number five for me. Yeah, number five for me, Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh yeah, he's uh, probably the, one of the more consistent goalies as well the last decade, over a decade actually, almost two decades. Um, feel old. Uh, he'll get you 30 wins easily, and he'll probably get you 35. And there's really no competition in Vegas for the back, for the starting goalie. There's really nobody. And if, and if it is Subban, that's a problem. So I think Flurry's going to start. If he's healthy, he might actually play the most out of any goalie. So... Yeah, like Pinello said, he could easily be top two um, when you look at games played and all that. And shutouts last year, holy shit, he had eight. Um, I could easily see him being a top three. But yeah, I'm going to just be conservative with it. I'm going to say he's number five. Number four, Sergei Bobrovsky, who had nine shutouts, amazingly. The last three years, he had 41, 37, and 37 wins. But at the same time, 
as great as that is, his goals against and his save has dipped every year. So even though the wins go up, those stats dip. But even with that being said, he's number four and he's on a great team and he's been one of the best in the league for a long time now. Uh, I've said he's a streaky goalie, but when you look at the, for fantasy purposes, he's it, it's really irrelevant. The guy just fills up the stat sheet. I don't think he'll get nine shutouts next year, but I, I would expect around the same, especially on the Panthers and the team they have. I got Frederick Anderson at number four, Toronto Maple Leafs. We've seen all the shots he has to take every game, so that's going to be valuable for everyone drafting him. And they brought in Tyson Berry. Their blue line is much better with him and Riley together, but the problem with that is there's going to be a lot of offensive game from those defenders, and he's going to have to rely on that one defensive defenseman back there cleaning up the mess, two-on-ones. It's going to make a lot of saves, but I think the Leafs are going to get a lot of wins. So I got him and... His backup, good luck. <laughs> how about you? I wouldn't even draft the backup at all, whoever ends up backing him up this year. No. Um, for me, number four, I love how we all have uh, different ones. I got Carey Price at number four. Um, I probably would have had him number one or number two if Montreal was better. But um, for now, there are better teams out there, so that's why. I think he's going to play around 65 games. I think he's going to play a lot this year. Um, last year, was, he actually had an amazing season. And if Carey Price is clicking, then Montreal will probably be a little more successful than people expect. I could easily see Carey Price. Don't get me wrong. I could see him getting almost 40 wins. And I can see him getting around a, about a 250 goals against and around a 920 save. He's one of the best when it comes to those numbers. It's around like it's usually it's Price, Gibson, Bob. Like those are the guys that are usually top in like those categories. And uh, make no mistake about it, I think Carey Price is still, when all is said and done, probably the best goalie in the league. And, uh, yeah, the the stats don't lie. I think he's number four. Number three, I got Freddie Anderson, who's been with the Leafs for three straight years now. Three straight 31 seasons, three straight 60 game seasons. So he has been just used like you wouldn't believe. Uh, He's an absolute rock in the net for us. He's failed to hit a 920 save. He had it once in his rookie year with Anaheim. But, like, you look at his goals against and his save, and the goals, it's kind of bad, the goals against, but it's still, like, top 10, 15 range, and the save is passable. And given the situation that he's in, where the defense isn't the best and he's got to bail us out, I think he deserves to be this high on this list. Because, really, it's just the shutouts. I don't see him getting more than two or three shutouts. He had one last year. We really can't keep the puck out of our net, but we did help the the blue line a little bit with Barry. Um, not CC, not so not so much him. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> could have brought in Gardner. No, bring in CC. You look at the backup situation, and it's, you're looking at another 60 game uh, game campaign, and hopefully 40 wins. The Leafs should be one of the best teams in the league. So Freddie Anderson, keep rolling. I got number three, Sergey Bobrovsky. I think he's the best goalie overall in the league. But I just think this year, like Columbus, I thought was a much better defensive team in front of him with Seth Jones and Marensky. Florida is a great team, but their defense has a little bit of issues on there. I still think Columbus had a better situation for him if he stayed. But this team is loaded. He's going to get a lot of wins, a lot of shutouts, probably five or six. I don't think we will get nine, but... Yeah, yeah, he's a valuable guy to have in fantasy every year. So, Bobrovsky, number three. 
My number three is Freddie Anderson, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, again, I think he's going to play the most out of any goalie. That's my prediction going into the season. I think he's going to play the most, and I think he's going to get the most wins. I think he's going to lead the league in wins. But again, the thing that drops me from the list is the shutouts, the save, and the goals against. His, I had him last year. He was great for me, but the one shutout, and I think he had around a 270 goals against. It's just not good. I mean, it's good, but it's not top tier. But the wins and the games played is exactly where you want to draft a goalie. You want a goalie that plays, and Anderson plays the most. And again, you got to remember that he is on one of the best teams in the league. So just like Pinello, I have him at number three. Number two, I got Carey Price. And um, that's surprising for me. When Damn. I looked at his stats, honestly, the only thing I can hold against him was the 17-18 season when the Habs finished in third last and they drafted Coco Niemi. Uh, like, other than that, regardless, like, the team, if they were better, his stats would be so much, like, we can't even... Oh, he'd be number one. But, like, the team's always been average and he's always had amazing stats. So, kind of like Gibson and Anaheim, just another, like, another level to that. Yeah, elevated, yeah. To me, he's still easily the best goalie in the world. Easily. He had a little hiccup last year. Every other single year, he's been flawless and he's the reason why people talk about the Habs along with Subban at the time. But yep. to me, he's still the guy. Uh, to your point, Alino, everything has to go right. Like Weber, he's got to play. <laughs> Duran and Domi got to click. This this team, like even if they finish 9-10, a lot of things got to go right. So for me, Carey Price can finish number two by the end of the year. My number two, I had a lot of debate with the top two. It's the flower. It is. Uh, I had it, like going into this, I was thinking maybe if I can put him number one, but I think the injury troubles is what put the value down. He just does everything for Vegas. Saves, he's consistent, shutouts, and gets the big wins when you need him. And when they go to overtime, he's solid in net. He doesn't panic. Stanley Cup, so does have that with him. I just don't know how many games you're going to play him, because you never know if he might get injured here and there, so... Because of that, I have my number two. My number two is Sergei Bobrovsky. I think this is going to be the year where he wins the Vesna, and I think this is going to be the year where Florida is finally not taken as a joke anymore. And I think uh, Florida could finish first. I don't see why not. I mean, they have all the fucking talent in the world. They even have the D. They have Yandel and Ekblad, solid two right there. Depth after that, but man... They have unreal forwards. Hoffman. They have Vetrano as a secondary. They have Trocek, Barkov, Huberto, Dadanov, Borgstrom, and Tippett are young, promising players. So, yeah, they're uh, they're pretty solid. They got rid of Reimer. Luongo retired. It's Bob's crease now. And I just see him having a flawless season. Um, I think he's going to get around 40-plus, and I could see him getting around six, seven shutouts. So, Sergey Bobrovsky could easily be one. He could be like a 1A, 1B, but for now, I'll just put him at two. Alrighty, so number <laughs> one, it's Andre Vasilevsky. It is, yeah. yeah. Not much of a surprise there. You just look at what Tampa's done. They lost 16 games last year. When the guy's in the net, what do you think his stats are going to be? It's just, I don't see how his stats can get better. <laughs> That's why I'm hesitant to put him number one so quickly because everything's gone right for them the last two years. They haven't really had a lot of injuries. Braden Point has emerged as a 
freak. And like a lot of other guys have emerged, like Gordy, Johnson, Palat, all those secondary guys. They also traded for Sirkachev. So stuff's looking pretty good for them. They got Shannon Kirk. I, I want to say 45 wins is like the minimum at what people are looking at for him. And that's absurd. I don't – I could see him getting around the same amount of wins as Sergey, maybe a little more. But I, I don't know why. I see Sergey playing more than uh, Vasilevsky this season. And I think it's because of the injuries. Because last year Vasilevsky missed a bit. The year before he missed a bit. I know he's had blood clots before. So he's had some serious injuries. But, yeah, man, like he's – we could all agree that he's easily the number one just based off of the team and just based off the season that they just had even though they got swept by Columbus in the first round. I think that's a little lesson to them to maybe yeah. don't go as hard during the season. Yeah. Like, go hard, but don't break your necks just to get swept in the first. So maybe uh, they won't get 16 losses. That'll probably... I just think I think he'll start a little less, too. Because yeah. he wasn't that good in the playoffs. He was shaky. He looked tired. I, I could see Bob, by season's end, he could be number one. I don't know. It's tough. With all that being said, though, at the same time, I still think Tampa Bay is winning the President's. See, like I don't see it. I don't see it like that. I could. I see it as a three-legged race right now between Tampa and Toronto and Florida. I don't even have. Oh, Bo- I don't even. Oh, I like it. I don't even have Boston in it. I don't have like those two in it. <laughs> I have. I have Toronto and I have Florida. Do you have Vegas in that conversation? Or are they gonna take I, a little? Well, bit? no. Like I thought. Okay, so you're talking about present. So like everybody. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, you have like Winnipeg. Nashville, Vegas are probably the top three. You could have San Jose in there, but are we really talking about Martin Jones? No. Not really. We brought so, him up one time. That was enough. Yeah. So <laughs> Healthier, Carlson, though. Brent Burns, Vlasic, Thornton is back. That's why, man. Like, Florida, to me, is the most underappreciated team going into this season. Yeah. And I think they're going to turn heads. For I think sure. they are. I look at a – we got off track with Vasilevsky. <laughs> I look at his – it's very similar to Kucherov, though. When you look at his stats, because like he came in, oh he was good. Oh no, he's really good. Oh fuck, he's actually amazing. Okay, this is our. Okay, guy. he's the number one. <laughs> but it just keeps getting better and better and better, and I don't think he can improve on like I don't think they're gonna get 16 losses and no way. and all that again. But like you're looking at another 41 season and a ton of shutouts. They're gonna blow teams out some nights, and he's gonna be there, and it's all gonna look nice on paper at the end of the day. There's gonna be some nights where he's gonna have like 18 shots against. Easy game. You'll let in one goal. Carolina. <laughs> That's it, man. That's basically it for this week. Um, yeah, I guess it's Vasilevsky, but I think it's a lot closer than what people think. Do we yeah. all agree with that? Because yeah. we said Flurry could be one. We have him at five. We have yeah. him at two. We all we all have around the same five, but you really have no idea. Okay, I want to before we go, Rene or Holtby this year. I had Rene higher, so I'm going to have to take Rene on that. I had Rene as an honorable mention, so I'm going to go with Holtby. <laughs> All right. I just don't see him playing a lot of games this year. I think they're going to just hold him out a little bit. With Rene? Yeah. yeah. Sardos comes in. And so finally it's going to happen after the third year of saying it. <laughs> finally it's going to happen. Yeah, because remember last year we had that calm class, and, and yeah. remember Matt? He's like, Sardos, I'm yeah, drafting sure. him. I'm like, are you high? I'm like, what? <laughs> and he actually drafted him, and he barely played, so. I don't know. It's tough with goalies, but thank God that's done. Next week, we're going to do centers or D. We'll do D next week. We'll leave the centers after. All right, guys. That's it for this week. Stay tuned.